Bannon. Cut to. Exterior. Interior. Restaurant. Bar. Club. Day. Night. Action! Hey everyone, thank you for listening to Restaurant Fiction, the podcast that reviews every single fictional restaurant, bar, and club in TV and film. I am your host, Monis Rose. This, once again, is going to be a different episode. We are not going to be reviewing a fictional restaurant, bar, club, and TV and film. On the other hand, my producer, my amazing editor, said to me, Hey, no one knows who the fuck you are, Monis. Why the fuck are you even doing this podcast? Like, what makes you you? What makes you tick? What makes you even into writing about fictional restaurants? And why do you go down the rabbit hole of food and all things food and film and TV? What makes you tick? Well, we're going to explore that. You know, I mean, all of these in-between episodes between, you know, our amazing, awesome guests and the conversations we have is going to get to know me a little bit more. If it bores you, then please give me a shout out because then we know to stop these. Email is monis at restaurantfiction.com. So please tell me if you love it, you hate it, you want to know more. Anyway, the 15-second elevator pitch is former former cook, former chef, Comey, whatever you want to call me, and then turned into Jonathan Gold taught food writer, hence then the podcast, also a screenwriter in the heart of Los Angeles. And also, I do a lot of digital producing, digital BTS, behind-the-scenes producing with the Food Network. So anyway... Combining all of that food, TV, film into restaurant fiction, but it just doesn't start inside the professional kitchens. It starts way, 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 way back. And we're going to explore that. Anyway, here's just a little get to know you candid conversation. The moderator actually is Chris J. Hudson, our amazing editor, our amazing producer, and myself. Hope you enjoy. So tell us about how you got started in food in the first place. Like what, because there's a big difference between liking to eat and going the extra mile to cook it yourself. Like how did you get started into food? What was the catalyst? So you always got to use what you're given in life, you know, whatever situation you're in. And a lot of people out there, they can always be like, oh, yeah, my grandparents were the best cooks of the family or my parents were the best cooks of my family. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, and I love my family, you know, I love them dearly, but that they're just not that good of cooks. Like I remember my earliest food memories were TV dinners and unfortunately, but like canned and just frozen vegetables with no seasoning, no sauces, no, no anything. It was just that. Because of that, you know, even like every, personally, I don't mean to toot my own horn, I am the best cook of my family. I'm the best cook of all my friends. But 
you know, going back, there was two big moments when food and even food and writing or just food and narrative in the story came together. And I think number one was in terms of flavor. And, you know, like Anthony Bourdain, may you rest in peace, in his book, Kitchen Confidential, he writes, his moment was having the French raw oyster. He was, I think he was either a teenager or he was little. He writes about this either in Kitchen Confidential or a cook's tour that he goes with his brother and he has an oyster for the first time. And it was like mind-boggling to him. His, his mind was blown of how awesome and briny and fresh what an oyster is. So mine was not an oyster. Mine was a green bean. You see, before I was just exposed to canned green beans, either from my like preschool or elementary school or kindergarten, mm-hmm. you know, cafeteria the green beans. cafeteria green beans, the crap of the crap of the crap with no seasoning, <laughs> no sauce, no skill yep. whatsoever. No and love. no disrespect to the lunch ladies. <laughs> All those lunch ladies, if you're still living, God bless your hearts. But anyway, that kind of the same cuisine of green beans and vegetables I was having at home, but at home, because it was like husky and everything, and my parents were always wanting me to eat my vegetables, like, you better eat your vegetables. It's like, I did not because they tasted like shit. They were <laughs> shit. Like, <laughs> love you, mom. Love you, dad. Anyway. <laughs> so... On one of our family vacations, and this is in the early 90s, early to mid-90s, Vegas, believe it or not, was marketed as a family destination, almost like Disneyland. Very weird now. Very weird. Yeah. You remember that? Like Circus Circus. Exactly. They did not have the slogan, uh, what happens here stays here. There was no like sexiness vibe whatsoever. You know, it was all family fun. So... One of the family fun hotels back in the day was called Treasure Island. And I think it's called either TI now. And I don't even know if the hotel's even around. But anyway, it was called Treasure Island. And they had like a pirate show. And inside the Treasure Island Hotel, overlooking the pirate show, was just their hotel restaurant. And at the time, it was the fanciest restaurant I've ever been to. And it was just like a meat and potatoes type of place with a cloth napkin, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. You had your red wine glass and your white wine glass. So that was like pretty fancy for me. It's like, whoa, whoa, there's more than just a wine glass, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't really remember what I had except for the salad. You see, the, the salad was just a farmer's market salad. And they had different farmer's market vegetables. And one of the vegetables was a green bean. And I look at it and like looks different because it's not from a can or it's not from a frozen package. And like I eat it right away. And then I have another one and I eat it right away. And I'm just like, I'm telling myself, why are why are my parents or why is this restaurant serving me dessert first? Like I'm literally like, why are you serving me Mm. sweets first? I go to the waiter. I'm like, what is this? And he goes, it's a green bean. And I'm thinking to myself like, no, it's this is not a green bean. This is I've had green beans. I've had canned green beans. I've had frozen. This what you're serving me is candy. You are serving me something divine. This is like from the Garden of Eden itself, from like 2000 BC or whatever, like whenever the genesis of the world started. Like, this is euphoric. And that just opened my mind of what the power of fresh ingredients can do. I don't even think there was even seasoning on it. It was just... The art of just getting something so fresh. I mean, if you can plant your own stuff, even like, and it doesn't even matter, like, if you have to buy, say, like a can thing, at least always put something fresh in. If it's a fresh piece of basil, a fresh radish, a fresh, because fresh is 
so much tastier and when it's at the right time at the right place and from ever like that was like where it started i mean this was before guy fieri i feel i excuse me guy fieri guy fieri like i went to flavortown way before he was the mayor of flavortown like this was the flavortown for me and it was all through a green bean no salt no pepper it wasn't sauteed in oil or fat Mm-hmm. It was just what it was. It was from the earth on, you know, cleaned a little bit into on the plate in my mouth. So that was like my first foray into like, oh, wow, what is food? You know, what is good food? You know, yeah. what does this mean? And in terms of when writing and narrative and food came to be and the art of the cooking world, well, also happened in the early to mid 90s. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona originally. and during this time, I don't believe there was the Food Network. And if there was, we definitely did not get it in Phoenix, Arizona, you know, and what a celebrity chef was in Phoenix, Arizona was whatever the chef who was on like the local morning news show or hey, the two radio DJs have their restaurant pick of the week. You know, it wasn't national. No one made the New York Times, you know, no one made USA Today, no one was world-renowned in Vogue or, you know, Savoie. But there was also a pride because they were like our local celebrity chefs, you know? Like, it was like, well, these are Phoenix born and bred. And there was a contest, and I don't really remember, but the the premise of the contest, the rules were, you got to write, and it was for children, you got to write a food-oriented essay, and the winner would stodge for the day with Arizona's best chefs. And I wrote an essay. I don't remember what it was, and I was like, seven or eight years old and i won and i got to spend the day with uh chris bianca who is now internationally renowned he has restaurants now in in la also all over phoenix you know people study from him there was also mark Tribell, who i believe now was on the food network a few times or a couple times i'm not sure and there was vincent Girtaut, and then there was also a guy named raz and I spent the day of just like kneading doughs with them of of the art of plating, the art of sauces, the art of the simple salad, but also the beautification of a salad and what you can do. It was really about, I don't know, just being creative, getting my hands dirty and being in the here and now, you know, even like now when I, you know, in telling the story, like there was so many elements that really mesh. And it was like one led to the other, like writing led to food and food led to writing and they both led to stories. I could also, in a way, always be myself because, you know, the kitchen, there's rules, but there are no rules. It's kind of like jazz and like you got to just be yourself. You got to stay in the lane at many points, but also you got to be yourself to stand out and to be remembered Mm -hmm. and to make sure, right. And to make sure, you know, and to put your, power into place, not in terms of hierarchy, but just to be like, hey, I'm here. Look at me. Help me when I need help, and I'll help you when you need help kind of thing. Slowly but surely, there have always been then little steps here and there, here and there, here and there. My first cookbook that I ever bought was in 2002. I'm a teenager and now in high school, and it's a restaurant called The Roaring Fork. And I believe it's a franchise or there's other locations, but there was one in Phoenix, Arizona at the time. And the chef was either a James Beard award winner or he was a James Beard semifinalist. I'm not sure. I got the cookbook. And even to this day, I still have the cookbook. And every single page, I I pretty much cooked every single recipe, but every single page is dirtied and it is soiled. And it's not the dirty soiled like a 
Hustler, a penthouse magazine soil. No, this is from like <laughs> just actual grease and salt and mm-hmm. sweat and tears. And the first ever recipe that I even cooked out of this cookbook was a horrible failure. I made green chili corn dogs, roasted green chili corn dogs, using more of a masa batter instead of just an all-purpose flour dredge. Now, I didn't really fry a lot before then, so I did not know the rules of frying, period. The, the basic 101s of where you have to pat dry whatever protein you're using. Once you do that, then you put it in a dry dredge, and then you put it in the wet dredge, and then you put it in the fryer or the fry oil. No, no. I, I took the hot dogs out of its packaging, still wet, and then I just immediately put it in the wet dredge. So basically, I took it out of the wet dredge, and it all just came out, and I just had a sloppy, wet hot dog <laughs> to just dip in the fryer. <laughs> Which I was not trying to make like a fried tubular meat sandwich. I was trying to make a corn dog. <laughs> So yeah, anyway, I hope those few anecdotes, they brought a smile to your face, maybe a laugh. Maybe they disgusted you. Maybe they just provided you material so whenever you want to meet me and you want to be the new hater in our life, well, go ahead. I mean, hey, I guess any kind of press is good press. I don't know. I'm up for debate with that. Anyway... We'd love to hear your thoughts. Email is monis at restaurantfiction.com. We are on the socials. If you want to listen to an actual episode, there's about 80 of them. So just pick your favorite or pick your favorite show. Pick your favorite person. Hopefully, uh, you'll find one. Hopefully, you'll find more than one. Hopefully, you'll find many. Anyway, until next time, which will be an actual Restaurant Fiction episode, Nothing makes sense, and nothing ever does. Cut to. Exterior. Interior. Restaurant. Bar. Club. Day. Night. Night.